Hi everybody and thank you for downloading the Leeds Book Club podcast. I'm joined once again by Jess or at Book Elf Leeds if you're a Twitter follower. Hello. And uh, we're here today to talk to you about the books that we have read in an episode cunningly titled This Month I Have Mostly Been Reading. <laughs> and I'd like to apologise to everybody for the attempted accent there. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. I've had a I've had a book heavy month for me given my recent slump. You haven't been reading properly as much as you have been reading this month for some time. I am impressed. Four books so far, <laughs> and there's time before the end of the month. A week of January be fine. Exactly. So you know, I could. Um, it, it it felt really nice actually to get back into the book groove, um, and all of the books that I've read have been interesting, even if they haven't taken my fancy. So. I'm motivated to continue reading, which for me is a very good feeling right now. Good, good. I have read some excellent books this month. Um, I have read, I'm counting up swiftly. Uh, uh, It's going to be like 10 or something ridiculous. How many many do you think I've read this month? Eight. Eight on the nose. Well done. And that's not including all the stuff I have to read for work, because I'm a librarian and therefore have to read a ridiculous amount of stuff all of the books all of the things all the time but yes so we thought rather than me talking about eight books and you talking about four four, that would be a ridiculous number of books to read an hour so top three or top two top three top three okay do you want to start okay so i read four books this month i read the city in the city by china i want to say meaville don't look at me by a very famous author whose name I promised to learn how to say <laughs> by the time this podcast goes live. It's okay. The other day I said hegemony. and everybody, <laughs> Yeah. And everybody did that. <laughs> Sorry. That's a word I've only ever seen written down. And I know what it means. Yeah. But never heard it said out loud. I actually have quite a few of those words. And you never know that you say them wrong until somebody looks at you funny. And then you're not sure if you've just said something stupid and they're looking at you funny. Or if you've actually mispronounced a word and maybe this is personal to me um right so I read the city in the city um for one of our book clubs I also read the transition by Luke Kennard for a second book club and for the third book club this month we read one by one into the darkness by Deirdre Madden um and the book that I read for pleasure was holocaust history on trial denial by Deborah Lipstadt um and the three... You weren't kidding when you said you had a heavy month. <laughs> it was good. It was really, really good. The three that I'm going to talk about are um, The Transition, The City and the City, and um, Denial. The reason I'm not going to talk about One by One Into the Darkness is that while I thought it was beautifully written, I didn't really connect with any of the characters. It was set in like the ni- 1996 um, in Northern Ireland. Mm. So the primary plot lines and there are spoilers here for the books all of the books yeah all the books are going to have spoilers that's why we're mentioning the books at the beginning of the episode so that if you are going to read any of these books just don't listen to the rest of the yeah but continue to download and support us because we love you Um, but yeah so the primary (laughs) we're not sponsored either (laughs) (laughs) Um, but the primary themes of One by One Into the Darkness um, are an unexpected pregnancy of an unmarried woman um, with elements of the current day troubles as it was in the 90s and then flashbacks to the troubles in the 70s and it just felt so old-fashioned and so it was really difficult to actually 
get a proper sense of it. You when know when you read written? it and you're like, 96. Okay. So I read it and I was like, technically it's excellent. I like the language used. I'd be interested in reading other stuff that she's written, but I just didn't care about any of the characters. And, and it felt like a landscape totally foreign to the mm. one I was familiar with. So that's why I'm not discussing that one. Okay. Which are the <laughs> top three right. and one okay. book that you're not so discussing. So some of the ones I've read as well. Um, this month I've read The Shimmer of the Herring by Evelyn Hood, Women and Power, a Manifesto by Mary Beard, Lady Worsley's Whim by Hallie Rudenhold, My Life and Houses by Margaret Foster, Howard's End by E.M. Foster, Rain Shadow Road by Liz Claypass, and I finished The Bell Savage last night, but you're going to read it next month so we can talk about that next month. Okay. Excellent. Um, I have, you have homework. I have homework. Now, I was going to talk about three, but... Why does everybody but... keep doing <laughs> <laughs> I was going to talk about three that I already talked to you I was going to mm. talk about, but looking at the list, I think I might change my mind. Is that <gasps> acceptable? That is completely acceptable. Excellent. So I'm going to talk about The Shimmer of the Herring by Evelyn Hood because I really wanted to talk to you about this book and I haven't had a chance to talk to you about okay, it cool. before now. Okay, um, Good reason. Yes. Um, Howard's End... Um, and Rain Shadow Road. I think those are the ones okay. we're going to talk about. And, and pick one that you're not going to talk about and why you're not going to talk about I'm it. I'm not going to talk about... Uh, oh, gosh. Because you were going to talk to me about that other house book. Yes, My Life in Houses. I'm not going to talk about My Life in Houses, which I was going to talk to you about, um, by Margaret Foster, because um, although it's, it is a beautiful book, um, I have less jokes about it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, as reasons go... <laughs> We attempt to be entertaining for your pleasure. (laughs) But seriously, Margaret Foster sounds like an amazing woman. I knew nothing about her life. In fact, I'm not going to say anything about this book because I don't want to spoiler it. I don't want to spoiler it. I knew nothing about Margaret Foster's life. I've read a couple of her books before, but I read this. This is a memoir told in houses. So all the houses she lived in, and it just tells a little story about living in that house and what it was like for her. And then at the end, she's in a certain situation, and then the book ends, and I didn't know anything about her. So I Googled her. Ooh. and found out that she actually passed away in 2016, I think. So no so spoilers, no for, spoilers the book, for the but book, spoilers but like, spoilers for the spoilers for Margaret Foster's <laughs> life. But yeah, so um, it, it's, oh, but it's, but it's beautiful, and yes, you should read it. Okay, that's my books. So of the three that um, I'm going to talk about... And we'll do it in turns. There's one that was just disappointing. Mm. Um, and that was The Transition by Luke Kennard. I've never, I don't think I've read any of Luke Kennard's poetry, but I was aware that he was a poet. Um, and I, I think it's interesting because when we met up for book club, we were talking about literary writers writing in particular genres and naturally influenced, no doubt, by our zeitgeist. Twitter has been having this conversation lately about what is literary fiction? Can you yeah, even define that. it? Um, who writes it, how do you know that they write it, do they stop writing it once they become popular and and yet while we were having our discussion it, we were very clear on what we meant by it um, and one of the things we found really interesting is that this is a, an established poet, this is the first time that he's he's written fiction and he chose to write about a dystopic future um, and by pure coincidence, most of the members of the White Swan Book Club, which is the book club that was reading it, um, happened to be in a book club I used to run about dystopias. So we're really familiar with this particular genre of fiction mm. and we know what the tropes are. We know what are the likely things to happen and, and that kind of thing. So I think we were all really excited going in. Mm. It's in a future that's kind of set 15 months from our own, that that kind of okay, thing. Okay, so the near future. The very, like yeah, I'm very making up future. the time frame, but the very near future. Yeah. Um, 
And there are some really interesting little bits that, that happen in it. So, for example... Why is it dystopia? What's okay, happened? so the, the basic setup is this. Um, within the next five years, there's a guy who basically writes essays for students online and sells oh, there's them. there's none of them at the moment. But, but he... <laughs> they are he, the bane of my life. Gets, he is convicted of a crime. Okay. However, they can't um, take away his the tools of his trade, which is writing these essays on the internet. So mm-hmm. he can either go to prison for six months or he can sign up with a group called The Transition. The catch is that if the person that commits a crime, they'll only be accepted into The Transition if they're married and if their partner joins The Transition with them. What is The Transition? The Transition is a one-year program designed to help offenders never offend again, to set them up properly for life so that they have an ability to make an income, a nice house, generally do-gooders. It's like mentor, an older generation mentoring So my instant feeling is that's going to be some sort of evil genius-like organisation. Well, the basic setup is that this guy who's committed the crime drags his poor wife, who is instantly, like, for me, she rang a lot of bells as a character... Um, the the background is that he saw her once at a party and pined for her for six years mm. and messaged her <laughs> out of the blue and she replied with my life has fallen apart do you want to meet up and they met up and got married and they've been together ever since what he a crazy is, happenstance yeah he is obsessed with her yeah. and she is the perfect angel and he is just this loser so he's like Ross from Friends a little bit um, but he's just this he's just this loser who's wrong about everything and all of the choices that he's made in life are wrong about everything and there's this big conspiracy and the whole thing happens um, and one of the one of the fundamental premises is that Genevieve this um, girl character the female character um, has mental health problems mm. but the transition basically get her off her medication tell her that he's basically been just controlling her all this time and all the rest of it. And in the end of the book, she has a mental health breakdown. The transition are completely unable to cope with it. And he swoops in and kind of saves, saves the day. Ugh. And Ugh. so the elements are there to drive me crazy. There's crazy personitis, which is where mental health is like used as a plot point yeah. rather than something that a character actually he has. has. Yeah. Um, there's the crazy personitis element of somebody having a mental health problem and a vast swathe of society being completely taken away, unawares mm. by this, as though how could this possibly happen? She's foiled all of our plans purely by having a mental health problem, which drives me crazy. There's the fact that there's a loser, deadbeat, wrong about everything character who fundamentally turns out yeah. to be right about everything. Yeah, um, but there are some lovely moments in it. There's there's some lovely like little like almost black mirror moments where mm. they reflect our society back on ourselves mm. and it's not terribly written or anything just the characters fall really flat and one of the book clubbers said that this is what happens when a literary writer chooses to write in a genre but uses the genre as a metaphor yeah. rather than embraces it yeah. i felt like he had a decent story to tell he just didn't tell it mm. Um, instead, he tried to make a point, and everybody kept uh, all of the reviews kept calling it a satire. But none of us could get where it was satirical, and I don't always I get sat- satire. I but I can usually recognise that yeah. it's satire. Yeah. No, I find satirical prose incredibly hard to read. There was the one that won the Booker a couple of years ago, um, and I really did try with that. I try and read the Booker winners, and I haven't been able to read the last two because one was. Satire. Howard Jacobson. 
Uh, is it Howard ha- Jacobson? No, he was awful. We read him. We read that. That, that was terrible. Yeah, that was terrible. But I think there is this kind of trope for these kind of male characters that are rubbish. And there was a Twitter stream. Did you see that kind of where you you know on Twitter you can do the the, the, the follow choose your own adventure yeah. stories where they have yeah. those little things. Yeah. So there was one of that for choose your shitty sci-fi sci-fi hero. And it was literally the plot that you've just described. Mm. But like those would be, would be the options. But I think he was trying to make a point about it. It's just mm. we none of us really got it. That is a shame. And, and I mean, we... Would within, you read anything else by him? Well, within Leeds Book Club, um, we have this... We, we have a rating scale out of 10. So five of the 10 is determined by the writing style, the language used, how the book is weaved together. So the structural elements of mm-hmm. it. And five of 10 is determined by the character, the plot, the dialogue. Did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy <laughs> it? That side of things. Um, but we also allow Spinal Tap books. We and a Spinal that. Tap book is where it's an 11 out of 10. It is a book that you would universally recommend that brings you joy every time you read it. One of my Spinal Tap books would be The Princess Bride. Mm. I just love that book. It makes me cry every time it ends, not because I'm sad, but because it's ended. Um, and for a previous book club maybe four or five months ago we came up with the Catwoman category and that's when you give a book zero out of ten because for seven and a half years I was adamant that if somebody went to the trouble of writing a mm-hmm. book they and deserved a point out yeah. of ten and then we read a self-published book that was so <laughs> bad we literally had to come up with a category to give it zero out of ten one of our one of the the regulars gave this a, a Catwoman score okay. which I thought was hard I didn't think I don't think it's a, like I gave it five out of ten I, I, I mm. thought it was a decent book it just didn't land no. um, but I didn't think I'd gone into it with particularly high expectations mm. but you know when you come out of the book and you're like well that was com- so much lower see, than anything I, I expected to read it. I, do, I can't not yeah, finish a book no, you see I can not finish a book and have not finished a book several times I'm getting better I'm at not so finishing books so envious of that no to be honest I'm getting better at not finishing books because I have a limited amount of time to read now. And I, when I am reading, I want to be reading something I'm enjoying. So I have none of my three books this month are books that I didn't like. <laughs> That's a shame. Well, now I feel bad. But I'm sorry I, for you. No, I, I feel, well, I feel like that was unduly negative. But I did no. find it interesting. Yeah. I liked yeah. the world. There were bits out of it that I really, I did take positives from. It just, mm. it, I, I guess there's also an element where it really made me miss proper dystopian fiction mm. and today I, I i very rarely do this i have strict rules around did you my buy a life. real book no but well i have strict rules around my twitter time but today i rolled out of bed grabbed my phone and went straight to twitter and the first thing that i saw was that ursula Le Guin oh, passed away well, we will cheers to her so, i think slancha skull mm, cheers to you when i was a little fledgling book reader um our library had a had the full set of the Wizard of Earthsea mm-hmm. and Ursula Le Guin was she's one of my grand dames of science fiction. Um I love the amount of lovely stories that have come out about her. I, I just think she just sounds like I didn't I've read The Wizard of Earthsea when I was a kid, but I haven't read anything else by her because I'm not a massive No, fan I've I've read um but more than that, but I, I just think she sounds like she was the sort of woman who you'd quite happily go for a pint with. Yeah. Well, I just think I think she's a, a a fascinating author. I love the way that she saw the world, and I love how she expressed it. I'm one of the things that 
a, a joyous thing, I hope, um, rather than a morbid one, is that uh, on Twitter today, a lot of people have been sharing her real life quotes rather mm. than like her fictional quotes. Mm. And there's so much to see that I recognize that I enjoy. I, out of nowhere, I read this impassioned defense for using the word they to yes, describe I singular. That, and I thought that was lovely. And I thought it was beautiful and on the ball. And mm-hmm. it just demonstrated that she was... Interested and interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, she sounds like a fascinating woman, and I would love to read a decent biography of her. Yeah. So, if anybody has a recommendation for a decent biography of her, or if there is one in the works, I'm, I'm not sure, sure if there, there is. Be, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I would be very interested in reading that. But I, I, I think um, reading the transition has made me think. I actually miss my world mm. of books. Good. Um, I I want to to start reading those sort of books well, again. I hope and, you do. Um, so for me, it was a very it was a very positive read, even though I have had very negative things to say about the book. <laughs> You're allowed to say negative. Things. Anyway, Absolutely your negative. first book. Which one are you going to? All discuss? right. Well, I'm going to start with a sharp left turn, and we'll go the Shiver of the Herring by Evelyn Hood. Okay, so a little bit of introduction. She's to this. literally holding her arm above her head in like a Yay! salute. A little thing. bit of an introduction to this. So, I love really trashy books. <laughs> I, I can attest that that is a true statement. And, and I, don't use the word, I don't think it's a guilty pleasure, I think it's a pleasure. Um, we have no guilty pleasures when it comes to books. <laughs> so Evelyn Hood is a writer, she used to be a journalist, she's from Scotland, and she wrote a book that I read because I think it was on like a three for five pounds offer on Scarborough Seafront's cheap bookshop that sells all the cheap mm. books. And you know the sort of books where it's like there's a seashore or a lake and there's a lady standing and she's like painted like in pastels and she's got hair and she's probably like in Victorian dress and she looks really determined mm-hmm. and they all have titles like A Most Determined Woman. Yes. Which was one of the books I read um, by Emma Blair. But the, this book, I can't... It was I'm basically visualising Mary Poppins right now. Pebbles on the Shore, I think it was called. And I read it and I absolutely fell in love with it. And it was, I took that book to university with me. It was ridiculous. And then last Christmas, I went to Scarborough Secondhand Bookshop um, opposite Boys. And I can't remember the name of it. It's an amazing bookshop. And I got myself an Evelyn Hood because I was like, oh, I can just have a really long bath and read an Evelyn mm. Hood and that'd be amazing. And the book I ended up picking up happened to be the second in a two-parter yeah, and I read it anyway, thinking, yeah. "Oh well, it was well, good." It, doesn't it didn't really matter. matter. It really didn't matter at all. Um, but that book made me go, "No, I need, I need to read the first book because mm. I see." I if you were a science fiction fan, you could never have read the second book oh. before you read the first book. Well, no, because I, I, I was like, "This is ridiculous." So I read the first book this this month. It's called The Shimmer of the Herring. It's amazing. Sorry, this isn't the author that turned out to be a chap. No. Same genre, same genre. Because I thought there was. Sorry, this this is, this no. is a long-standing conversation. I'm so bad with names. Every time You're somebody vaguely of similar. Blair, who did, who is a very very nice chap called Bill, who's in his eighties and is lovely. Yeah, and I've met him a couple of times. Yeah, because that yes. that because he's, this sounds awesome. like no, what he writes. Same genre, same genre. Okay. This one, actual woman, proper journalist. Evelyn Hood. She was a journalist in local rags for years. She's really really like a. She can write. Yeah. She can write. And this book is a really good book. Like, if it came out with a different cover, a different, like, Okay, thing. so what is the cover? So the cover is... I will show you a picture of the cover. The cover is a woman in what can only be described as some sort of smock, holding a basket of herring, standing, on a, say, standing on a beach. I don't think any good has ever come out of any conversation that includes the word smock. 
This book, if this was published by Penguin and it had like a cover with like a quite nice font, this would do astonishingly well because it's a good book. It's about this tiny little seaside town in northern Scotland and they're all fishers, mm. fishermen, and they all have wives who are also fisher, fisher lassies called... I'm not going to try and pronounce it, but there is a word for that in Scottish dialect. And there's a brother... Or a Scots Gaelic, as we sometimes call it. two brothers and a sister, and their father is dead. The father owned a fishing boat and he passed it down to one of the sons. Mm-hmm. Another of the sons can't go on the water to save his life. He's sick every time he looks yep. at the sea. The, the, other, the, the oldest son, though, inherited a bit of the fishing boat. There is a whole bit of conflict about where they should bury the dad. But that that's kind of like just a bit of conflict that kind of lasts mm. throughout the novel. The sister, and again, spoilers, and you're not going to read this. The sister is... Um, so th- the sister and the eldest brother... I just was, got the snottiest look there, by the way. You're not going you're to not read, gonna this. read this. You're not going to read this. All right, fine. So, right, so the sister and the eldest brother were both married off by the dad before he died to different people in order for him to further his fishing business. So, like, he's Henry VIII. He sold off his kids to make... Well, Henry VII. He sells off his kids to make better um, his connections in the business world. The eldest daughter... Is, the, do- the daughter is married to some guy who runs a barrel company, and the eldest son was married to a woman who he married in order to inherit her dad's fishing boat so they could build up the business. It's all very business-oriented. Anyway, the crux as it is, it's all completely normal, lovely Scottish... Scottish family loveliness, and then three quarters into the book, the brother and it's the sister. It's the Tudors. The brother and the sister sleep together. Ew! It's yeah, an incest. Yeah, book. It's incest. Secret it's an incest. Secret incest. Oh, the best thing is, it's secret incest. Oh, like, sorry. Just as a pure aside, right before we started to do this podcast, um, Jess turned around to me and said, "I've just seen something on Twitter. You have a secret room in your house." The way to get to the room is hidden behind a cupboard of books. You have to pull on a particular book in order to get to the secret room. What would that book be? And without even blinking, I said the diary of Anne Frank because hello. <laughs> because you're sick. It's not because I'm sick. It's because a book, a room hidden behind a cupboard of yeah, books is Anne Frank to me. That's yeah, that a, that for me, that's sense. a very natural thing. Sadly, the second thought I had was actually quite dark, and that was um, <clears throat> Flowers in the Attic by Virginia <laughs> Andrews. Um, so this is, yeah. And also the White Swan Book Club, we inadvertently read like eight incest oh, books in a row. Well, we had a year of one. incest. This no, we are incest. not reading this oh, one. This so sounds... wrong, but it's so right. They there is no, why am I picking all their no. passion out on each other? Oh, it's awful. But it's a Ew. really good book. I know. I always also... secretly feel like incest is written by people who don't have a different s- gender no. sibling because if you have a different gender sibling you would never think that that is <laughs> ew just like ew in a weird and horrible way though because the way the book is structured and because how awful the rest of the characters are and how miserable they make each other you're kind of rooting for them in a weird way as well <laughs> you and each looking at me with such a face of horror <laughs> but 
but honestly, it is a good book. If it it made me look up the history of like Scottish fishing and herring and the boats, but like these women, just no, did honestly, you basically Google Scottish incest? No, I did not Google Scottish incest. She Googled <laughs> Scottish incest. These women, right? This is fascinating. These women would live in these villages, and they like teenage girls to people in twenties before they got married and had kids, mm. basically, um, which they inevitably would do mm-hmm. because it's. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the world. The world. Um, these women would go on trains and trucks and carts to ports all around the coast of England mm. and literally follow the fishing boats, yeah. get the fish off the boats, skin them, pack them, salt them, go and do that for hours a day uh, for the whole summer. And that was a complete subculture. And it's amazing. Like, look, mm. the, 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 the descriptions of the women and the way they live lived and worked were really really interesting and fascinating to me okay i've literally just sorted my bookshelves this is a true thing just can verify Mm. it she was here um i do want to say that while i am a little scathing um because ew and ew, ew ew one of the books that i have on my bookshelf is jennifer's worth's trilogy about that the, that the TV series called The Midwife is based on. Mm. One of the most genuine, mm. heartfelt and sincere depictions of a relationship that happened to be incestuous happens in one of the, that trilogy of books yeah, where she that. describes a brother and sister who were in a workhouse together and they basically spent their entire childhood fighting to stay together. As adults, they were reunited and... They had a long-term, very loving relationship that didn't produce any children. Um, thank God. Um, and I am aware of the fact that uh, my visceral response <laughs> is not productive. Um, I, I do understand that there's, there's greater elements to it, but I have to say, if I... The, the sheer fact that that element is in the book yeah. would make me not want to read it. Really? Oh, yeah. oh no. no. Well, if you're not squeamish, it's a really good book. And the second in the series as well, which I can't remember the name of, is also equally good. But everything I've read of Evelyn Hood, I've enjoyed. I will continue to read her books because I like them. Okay, I think you should um, start with the second book then. Really? And I shall follow you. Okay. Yes. Um, so my second book uh, was Howard's End by E.M. Forster. It's so pretty. It's so pretty. Um, so I'd watched the TV series of, uh, that was before Christmas. I have not seen the TV series, but I've seen the Anthony Hopkins yeah, I've Emma not Thompson seen that version. One. I've not seen that one, but I enjoyed the TV series. I thought the last episode was a little bit rushed, but apart from that, I enjoyed it. Um, and there was a couple of women in my office who also were watching it, and we all said, right, we're going to read How's End, because I've never read it. Mm. And it's been a classic that I've been meaning to read for some is, time. Is the TV series faithful? Yes. Yes, very much so. And so reading it, were you more reading the it? The end kind of is going, quite rushed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it doesn't happen in a speedy way in the book. Um, but yeah, it was it was very faithful to the book, and I thought that the way casting in the TV series, Margaret Schlegel and um, Matthew, what's his face as uh, the the dude? Um, is it Matthew McFadden? Possibly, Mr. Darcy, in the oh, shitty one. Um, it, I. He has a name. He has a name. He has a whole name, a whole all name. to himself. But yeah, him as um, Mr. Wilcox, I thought Ooh, they were very well cast. Interesting. Yes, no, he was very yeah, well cast. that's a really interesting choice, no, actually. No, it, it works. It really mm. works. He's, he's kind of handsome. You, you get why she's with him. Yeah, yeah. Because he's no, kind no. of handsome. Yeah. Um, but Mark, the woman playing Margaret Schlegel was spot on, and I fell in love with her in the book because I'm an older sister, so... Yeah, yeah. these yeah. things make sense. Um, she's... 
just so wise but also so daft and I just love how pompous they all were I just fell in love with the family I thought mm. they were just ridiculously pompous mm. um, if I met them in real life I would hate them mm-hmm. um, but as characters they were just so like that kind of not taking the mick out of that Bloomsbury set but doing it with grace but at the same time massively taking the mick out of the Bloomsbury set but I think there's that thing about Depicting, I, I think um, uh, Fitzgerald did it particularly well, mm. where you depict people with all of their foibles, but from a place of love. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I oh, always yeah, felt like Howard's nice End was was very much in that vein. I you also know. love the depiction of the house, um, because my my house my life is a bit housey at the moment. So mm. <laughs> I love the depiction of the garden. I thought the plot itself was a little odd, but like it. Sorry, I have just put the heater on, but I've now decided it's actually too loud. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you thought your ear hearing was going mental there, that's my fault. <laughs> um, as, a, as a book that's a classic I've been meaning to read for some time, I was pleased that I read it. Yeah. It was a nice book to start the year. Yeah. I would recommend it. And that's very fitting because the second book that I, um, that I read that I want to talk about is The City in the City. And I had intended reading this author whose name I have just criminally forgotten. Up, it's it China. The city, the city in the City. The City in the City, and then it's like China, but it's not Melville, city. but it's like Mayaville. Oh, I'm so sorry to all of my <clears throat> listeners. This is just embarrassing. But yeah, I'm sh- not very good with names. China, yes, The City in the City, China Mielville. Mielville. That's how you say that then. Mielville. Well, oh, he's... no idea. M-I-E with a... Yeah. Um, V-I-L-L-E. Well, it's an author that I've intended to explore many times. Um, I, I've had, I, there's a couple of book covers that particularly recommended, uh, have recommended um, particular books, rather, but um, I've just sort of not got around to it. Now that I've actually read The City and the City, I'm convinced I've read them before and just forgot mm. because, you know, I like the names. Um, the City and the City, I knew nothing about it going in. Um, except that the author had written fictional, uh, f- fantasy-based books in the past. So I looked it up on Wikipedia, not like the plot bit, mm. but just like the description, and they said it's a pr- police procedural mixed with weird fiction. Well, you like both procedural and weird well, fiction. Well, to be so fair, that I sounds actually, right your street. I wasn't entirely clear on what they meant by weird fiction. Mm. The police procedural bit, I'm on board with, but the weird fiction, I'm like, well, how weird is weird and it's, what direction of weird and could you be a little bit more specific about your weird, please? Is it the, the same sort of thing as that one where it's Jane Eyre, but... It turns out it is a little bit Jasper Ford. Yes, that's, um, that's what I'm The air about, affair yeah. and, and, and that kind of thing. And yet totally different to that. Mm, um, I found that hard to read. Basically, somebody in the author's life, China Mielville's life, I think it might have been his mother, loved this particular genre of fiction and couldn't find enough written in it. So he wrote her this book. Oh, that's lovely. I thought it was so sweet. That's really sweet. Really, really lovely. Um, and the premise is that a crime is committed in a city. The crime unfolds in a very ordinary way. However, there's particular language used in the opening chapters by the cops and the mm. coroner that makes you think there's something a little bit unusual. And you're several chapters in before you realise that there are two parallel cities that exist in the same space Mm. and the way that they exist is that the inhabitants of each city ignore the other 
Okay. So you're walking down the street and in in your street, you're in a rundown part of town. There are maybe a few guys sat with caps in front of them, perhaps begging in front mm. of you. And then the thing that you choose to unsee is that you're walking through a busy shopping center with a lot of affluent people and so you people just, delivering you just, things. You not, choose to unsee how it. How do you choose to unsee something? Well, it turns out that it's very difficult to do. And well, tourists... I wonder what. Yeah, well, <laughs> tourists who come to the city have to basically go through like a three-month internship of learning how to, to unsee the, uns- the other city. But we follow... So basically a crime That's is committed, mad. a body is found... And what appears to have happened is that it's a breach incident. That means that it actually occurred in one city and ended up in the other city. When breach is invoked, okay. a special super secret police organization basically appear out of thin air and take care of the crime. Okay. And neither city know what's happened to the perpetrators in that case so okay. the cops so it's in, like the internal police complaints commission also yeah <laughs> it, i mean it's totally it's totally it's absolutely brilliant so there's basically a dead woman shows up it right. turns out she couldn't have got there unless there's a breach incident the cops are delighted they throw their hands up they go fantastic breach will take care oh my of God, this it's like the bridge. and you're reading it going what's breach what is the how do you unsee things what's going on and this is one of those rare books where the central conceit, which is that there are two cities parallel yeah. existing and you choose to ignore them, maintains throughout the entire book. Okay. The murder mystery is really good. It's a really it's good police procedural. There are the worlds. police that you follow, the characters that you follow, you absolutely believe in them and how they act. I there are unification. There's like this basic secret underground unification ar- um, army that's trying to join the two cities together. And, and you're, you know, and, and at the end of the book, uh, the book club where we discussed this, I was like, so which are you? Are you a breacher? Or are you a unification army? It was so interesting to get the answers people were giving. I have a question. Can these super cops go in both cities? With a lot of paperwork between their governments, yeah. Oh, and interestingly, where are they from? Then are they from so one this of the is, cities, and they learn is, to see the other? How no, this is this is like a city where it's split in two. Half of it's funded by Canada, okay. and the other half of it is funded by the U.S. Okay. And they don't have like complete recognition, but they do have border patrols and guards and so on. So students will come and start in an arche- archaeological dig in one city. They'll then apply for a visa, cross the road and continue working on the archaeological dig, but within an entirely different city structure. And that maintains, I know it but sounds you're ridiculous. You're in the same space. Physical place. Physical space, but physics doesn't work. So, like, if I open one eye, right eye, this room would be pink. If I open one, my left eye, the room would be well, blue. Well, it's it's really interesting because one of the characters basically crosses the border. So he okay. gets all of his paperwork in place. And he's been to Paris in America, and he knows the world to a certain extent. And he's a, he's a great first, um, like, character to whose eyes to see through. And he fills out all of the paperwork, and he goes through the border, and there's there are these, like, interspaces which occupy both at once, and they're a bit dangerous. Okay. Um, and so he wakes up and he's like, he's in the new city. He's like, I'm going to take a walk. 
and he takes a walk to where he knows his house is on the other side. And he knows that if he sees his neighbours, he will have to unsee them because they'll initially recognise him, but then they'll have to unsee him because they'll realise he's in That's the other nuts. city. It's so That's crazy. Nuts. But How? while you're reading it, you completely buy it. It's okay. so well okay. described. And, and this basic conceit manages the whole way through. On top of that, there's a cracking murder mystery. That mm. There's a genuine political thriller and intrigue going on. There are really compelling characters. And I think because I knew he was a science fiction author... I was expecting for there to be a really heavy fantasy twist, but instead there's just this dangled bit. It was so good. Everybody in the book club gave it like eight, eights, nines and tens, which is really unusual, yeah. especially at the beginning of the year when we're all miserable. Yeah, and poor. <laughs> so that's my second book. I Excellent. would and and by um it complete chance. It mad, it it's been good. picked as the February White Swan book. Oh, it was excellent. the Horsforth book, so I'm like, I'm so ahead of the game. I've already read the book. <laughs> I'm doing so well. Well, you can compare what two book clubs think about it. Well, I, yeah, I'm really interested to find out whether it's as well received on the White Swan. With the White Swan book clubbers are the ones who've been telling me I should read this author, mm. and it just came up in the Horsforth book club. Now that the Horsforth book club really loves it, I'm so interested to see whether the White Swan one feels the same way oh, about it. Well, I look forward to hearing that. Um, do you want to do your other one, or do you want me to do mine? No, you should. That's so we're we've both covered two. I I'm happy to go into my third one, but it's a bit dark. In fact, should we do mine first because it's a little sad? Yeah, go for it. So, um, <laughs> this is gonna sound a bit ditzy, but I don't mean for it to. I wanted to read a book for fun. Mm. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> know uh, I'm not and this is this is yeah I know I know it is so th for the last maybe 18 months the only books that I've been able to read have been book club books because I feel not obligated I do want to read them because I love our our book clubs but they're books I kind of have to read and I've literally not read anything for pleasure or when I do read anything for pleasure it's so rare and, and sparse that it's it's become a bit of a mythical kind yes. of thing um, I read the three books for book club and I really enjoyed all of them, particularly The City in the City, which mm. was the last of the three that I read. And I, I wanted to pick something up, um, but I didn't want it to be... I wanted it to be something of substance. I mm. wanted it to be a proper book, if you know what I mean. And I've been seeing adverts for a film starring Rachel Weisz mm -hmm. um, called Denial. And uh, it turns out it was based on a real life story. Deborah Lichtat wrote a book where she called David Irving, a historian, um, a Holocaust denier. And he chose to sue her for this. And she wrote a book called History on, on Trial. And this became the film Denial. And I saw the trailer and I was like, yeah, that looks interesting. And when I walked into a char charity shop, I saw the book. So I thought, right. That's that's going to be my fun read. <laughs> I appreciate that not everybody thinks books that deal heavily with the Holocaust should be regarded as a fun read. Mm. But when I say that, I mean, I wanted to read something of substance. This definitely delivered. I wanted to, to read something that I felt expanded upon my world. Read rather than fun read. Challenging, but I also wanted a, a good read. Mm. And, and this book delivered for me. Um, 
Deborah Lichstadt is a very academic writer. Um, she writes in a very factual basis. There are a lot of notations. There are a lot of um, references. But as I was reading the book, all of this became, it, it became so understandable why she was writing in this way. She basically wrote a book and, and called David Irving a Holocaust denier and he sued her for it. It took about four years for the court case to go through. Um, this happened in the 90s and I found this to be such a topical read given the world that we're living in today where there are alt writers and neo-Nazis and fascists proudly tweeting their mm -hmm. beliefs, where race has stopped being a conversation about how we can see one another and has become a very difficult and toxic area in, in a lot of different ways where gender, and I mean, one of the things I, I find so bizarre is, is the way that gender, race, hate, it's all pulled into these different things. And I was reading this book and I was like, this is the genesis of that. Mm. It's when we started putting a polite face onto ha really hateful thoughts, mm. when it became acceptable to say things like, did the Holocaust really happen? Yeah. When we started arguing about the number of people that may have died during the Holocaust rather yeah, as a basis for denying that it ever happened. Yeah. And suddenly I'm looking at a lot of the conversations that are happening on Twitter and I'm thinking this toxicity, this was the era where it entered. And Deborah Lipstadt was, Lipstadt was one of those people who stood up and said, no, no. not not no. for her. She could have backed down. Yeah. Penguin could have backed down and they didn't. It's not an easy read. Sometimes you're reading about things that are just genuinely horrifying. Mm. Sometimes there's a, a banality to the procedural elements of it that doesn't always, you know, capture your imagination. But it felt like a worthy read. It felt like one of those reads that reminds you that we haven't always lived in such tumultuous times. And there have people who could stand up and go, no. And when we live in these times, it doesn't always become The Handmaid's Tale. Sometimes it becomes one woman standing in court and not speaking. Mm. And that was the fundamental of her entire defense is that she never went, uh, um, she, she never presented as a witness. Mm. The words that she wrote spoke for oh, her. Yeah. And given that she's a lecturer and a writer and a, a speaker and a professor, I'm, I, she describes the agony of standing and, and letting this man who denigrated a, an act that had happened. And she, she is a, a person of Jewish faith. Mm. Um, and, and, and she describes that within the book. It's very much part of her identity, but it's not the sole aspect of her. She was an academic and he attacked her in order to prevent academics from going. Everybody has an opinion, but some opinions are worth more than others. Mm. When your opinion is based on fact, it becomes yeah. worth more than an what? opinion that isn't. And I found it to be an incredibly empowering read. Okay. I really did. Um, it sounds really interesting. It sounds like it would be... I'd be interesting to see the film as well. Well, I watched the film immediately afterwards yeah. and I'm going to have to look up the names of the people that are in it because um, I'm really bad with names. I love Rachel Weisz. Well, she was, she was incredible. Tom Wilkinson was her lawyer Ooh, and he yes. was phenomenal. And there's one particular scene where she takes him to Auschwitz and she is a person of that faith mourning the people that have died mm. and he is a lawyer. So he's like counting steps and looking at nails and, oh. and the disconnect between the two is so powerful, but you realize why it's happening. Yeah. It's, it's really well done. Um, Timothy Spall 
plays David Irving mm. and he exactly. is incredible because he manages to bring a sympathy and a, a humanization to the most repellent characters mm. and I genuinely think that David Irving because um, very, more recently than this so this was all in the 90s but in like 2006 or something I think he was convicted to go to prison in Austria for denying the Holocaust mm. and he recanted everything oh the Holocaust totally happened it's absolutely real as soon as he's released he gets back to London oh yeah it's all fake again I just thought this is Despicable a man of no man. integrity and Timothy Spall managed to make him somebody that you were like an interesting guy Andrew Scott played her solicitor and if the only time you've seen Andrew Scott is as Moriarty in Sherlock, in Sherlock, the BBC TV series, let me tell you, he is so different in this. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays a solicitor who was prior to that had um, done Lady Diana's divorce case. Oh, wow. Yes. So um, apparently, and, and they do it in the film and in the book. So it's obviously Celebrity like... Celebrity solicitor. The rigor. But yeah. Um, he said to her, um, Lady Diana or Princess Diana, I'm, I'm, I don't really get what title I'm supposed to use here, but I mean it very respectfully. The Queen of our hearts, Neve. The, the Princess of our hearts. Um, he basically says, this will be my first divorce case. And she turns around to him and goes, that's okay, this is my first divorce. <laughs> and I, it, it's, I, 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 even though I'd read oh, it, snap. when I saw it, I was like, that's actually really sweet and I'm not a royalist as Jess will tell you by any stretch of the imagination um, I, would, I would recommend the film I didn't think the film was as good as the book mm-hmm. but I have a t-shirt that says the film isn't as good as the book so that's maybe yeah. not <laughs> such a surprising declaration yeah. from me oh good work so that's my final book well done take us into yours yeah well so my final book again very sharp turn <laughs> I'm going to go to Rain Shadow Road by Lisa Clone is this class. about Stalin? No. Is this about <laughs> Mao Zedong? No. This is is about, this about no, any major dictatorship? No, major dictators. Were there fascists book. involved at all? Uh, not that you, there was a motorcycle gang, but they weren't fascists. So that would be a no. That would be no. Um. So this is by Lisa Claypass. So in Christmas time, I did the reading challenge where I had to read and twelve we are very, very Christmas grateful. books, and you were very, very grateful. And we talked about that in the last podcast. One of the books that I read was called Christmas at Friday Harbour by Lisa Claypass, who I got out of the library just because it had Christmas in the title. And you enjoyed that one. And I enjoyed that you, one. You said you I were really looking did. forward I to reading something did. else. I was like, I will read another one by this woman. I genuinely enjoyed that book. And it was made into a film called Christmas with Holly, which is a dreadful title. It's so sweet. It's a very, it's a very sweet film. It's a very it's sweet a very Hallmark sort of film. film. Um, dreadfully miscast on behalf of the older brother who is the main character in Friday Harbour in my opinion however well I just felt the dude's haircut he just needed a haircut the haircut was all wrong in Friday Harbour the book is a lot sexier however because that haircut was not sexy the casting of the second brother in there's three brothers the the bearded brother is slightly different in the book but the bearded brother he was quite fit I then found out through looking at Goodreads that Lisa Claypass had written a sequel to Friday Har- Christmas at Friday Harbour. Don't tell me that the bearded brother was the main character the of this one. The bearded brother was the main character of this one. So <gasps> oh like, my gosh! I know what I'm reading. So this book is starts off, it's a little bit more like, not magical realism because it's not magical realism at all, but one of the characters can do magic and it's lovely and in a nice twee kind of airy fairy way, yeah. but it's nice. Yeah. Um, it's set in the same And Christmas place. with Holly did have an element of yeah, like was, the fairy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's yeah. the same similar sort of thing. So it's set, both books are set on. Ooh, that's like the practical magic. 
little, score of magic. Bit, it's like a little tiny, bit magic, the diet cola of magic. Tiny bit of One magic, calorie, tiny not bit. magic enough. Um, yeah, it's like sin-free magic. Mm. Um, the books are both set on the islands off the northwest coast near Seattle. Um, Rugged people islands. San Juan Islands? But the the the, t- the town they're setting is Friday Harbour. Yeah. Um, on these islands that are like mystical places because because of the certain weather that they mm. get in that particular way, you can grow grapes there. You can have See, vines. I'm totally it's, okay with this. Beautiful. Because of Prince Edward Island, where yeah, it's like Anna Prince Green Edward Island, but on the other said. side of the country. Yeah. Imagine Prince Edward Island. Yeah. On the other side of the Magic shit happens sounds, all the it time. It sounds like a beautiful part of the world. It's got. You want to be there? It sounds like centre parks, but like really good yeah like really good yeah. centre park with, a, with lots of violence do you remember that Central Park's advert that had that um, they used a poem I hate centre parks with every centre parks used being. some like poem that was like really really good yeah it's very wholesome it's very it but was this very island does wholesome... sound this, this island does sound beautiful um, it's, so this one there's the, the, the premise of the books are there's uh, three brothers and a sister. The sister has a little girl. The sister dies horribly in a car crash, and the little girl is left to the care of her uncles. Yeah. The eldest, but one uncle in particular. Yeah, the eldest brother is her guardian, so he ends up like with this little girl. But the middle brother, in the books it's slightly different, so we're going to go all by what the books are. The middle brother owns this house, this mm. massive beautiful old Victorian house and all the brothers are helping him renovate and the brothers helping renovate it in the second book he is living in this house with his brother and his niece mm-hmm. everything is lovely um, he is a successful um, wine whatever it is maker. that he does no he's a winemaker he's like a farmer he, he runs a, a, a vineyard a vineyard a vineyard yes we're on totally the island, sophisticated we also people. meet um a woman who can do magic. She, and I can't remember the name, so I'm just going to look very quickly up. She has a younger sister. Yes, her name is Lucy. Lucy. That's a very magical name. Lucy has a younger sister, Alice, who is a cow. And Alice, when she she was younger, um, got meningitis really, really badly and nearly died. On purpose? No, 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 no. no. She was a child. Okay. Um, and she nearly died and it was horrible. But since she was ill, her parents basically let her do whatever she wanted because she was fragile, she was spoiled and rotten. she enjoyed it. And she enjoyed it. She's Lydia, but worse. Like She's Amy from she's, Yeah, yeah. Well, every single younger sister in fiction, because we all know that it's always the older sisters that end up being the writers. Mm-hmm. Lucy the heroine, she grows up massively resenting her younger sister, but she makes her own life. She meets this guy. She is a glass artist, so she makes stained okay. glass for a living. Yeah. She meets this guy. I've seen Sweet Home Alabama. That yeah. totally means yeah. something yeah. to me. So she, she, she meets this guy. They live in this island together. All is well. And then the guy, guess what? Dumps her for a younger sister. Obviously. Um, I hate fiction so much. <laughs> um, so this book, what annoyed me about it, I borrowed this book from the library. The blurb was completely different to the story. Mm-hmm. That really bugs me when blurbs are wrong. Because if I'm reading a blurb, that's the book I want. Because that's why I've chosen it. I'm just going to interrupt this to say, this will not become yet another one of my ranting about how inaccurate blurbs are in comparison to the books. This is going to be one of those, 
Jess rants about how and awful it is when the blurbs are inaccurate. Stickers to book and moments. bad blurbs. These are things that should never be on books. In this book, though, um, obviously, dying girl. Yeah. La la la. She is. She has inner pain. He is inner pain. La la la. He is committing commitment issues. There's a whole. It's a chick lit it's novel. It's a thing. It's a chick lit novel. La la la. The reason I want to talk about this book, though, is because the first two thirds of it are, are absolutely fine. This book, this yeah. lovely chiclet novel, and then it gets filthy, <laughs> really, really embarrassingly filthy. And Where I was, were you? I was on the train while you were reading this. I was on the train to work. Were you sat next to anybody that might see what you were reading? Prob- several people would probably have seen that I was basically going this is filth <laughs> this like properly Clan of the Cave Bear book 2 filth not fun that's the one where Do... they discovered 69 oh lord just absolutely, absolutely but the worst thing about it Neve, is that I'd already cast this man in my head so as you the were actor. visually so I could see all of this yeah filth. yeah you were in a very um, visual place but yeah if they made that film I would watch it. Well, you know what, Jess? <laughs> no, do you know what? I'm going to challenge you on that one. What, make, make this film? When was the last time you watched a Fifty Shades film? Oh, Lord, no. Because uh, I watched the first one. Why? And it was... Well, actually, my ex and a mate of mine basically said they thought it would be hilarious to watch it. They then got so embarrassed <laughs> while watching Faces it behind that cushions. we ended up fast-forwarding most of it. And I was explaining the plot to them because I had had the misfortune of reading it. Oh, so Lord. I haven't not seen the second one, but I'm aware that the third one is is due oh, any minute just now. Don't just don't watch them. But don't give them your money. Um, but this book, it is like it was fun, um, and it was. So these... when you say that you would watch this if it were no, I genuinely would. If it was a ho- if it was, no no no, if it was a Hallmark movie, I would watch it because I really did enjoy. Christmas with Holly. Mm. I really like these characters. I really like the setup. Holly and Mark appear in this book as well. And yeah. they're just they're as cute. lovely and nice and yeah. cute as, as, as before. And like I there's a third book with the third brother oh, as God. the hero. Obviously. Oh Lord. And oh, you know no. what? I'm gonna read that. Oh no, Jess. It. And it'll just get more Do you reckon that it's gonna like, become more pervy or I'm less I'm pervy? Guess for more pervy because these books like we saw what so happened you've in gone from birth. no perv no to a third perv. a third perv do you reckon the two next one will perv. be two thirds two perv. perv and then the last book will just be bondage <laughs> and because there are there's four books in the series so i'm going to read all of them okay and just see well that's my prediction when is the next book due out well it's out i mean i borrowed them from the library so i could i could find this next book and i could read it well in that case <laughs> is that my challenge i think that i think that might be our challenge for for going forward that next uh our next lbc podcast we will be discussing brother three Okay. The bondage book. You know, no, this is the bo- book before oh, the, the bondage. Oh, the book before the bondage. The book before the, the, bondage. Before before the bondage, bondage actually sounds like a and thing. we also have to talk about La Belle Sauvage. I want to say Sauvage or Sauvage. I don't know. Um, yeah, because uh, Jess has already read The Book of Dust by Philip Pullman, um, which is the sequel to the wildly, impossibly um, successful trilogy of his dark materials. It's mm. a prequel, mm. I'm learning. Um mm. 
So I'm being lent this, uh, and in case you haven't picked up on it, I haven't read it yet, <laughs> which is why the whole prequel sequel status is yet to be determined. Mm. Oh, it's prequel. It's uh, okay. It's now determined. You will enjoy it. I can't wait to talk to you. About well, it. yeah, my brother has actually read this, and he said for the first like five pages, he was reading it, going, "Ah, oh, I just want this to be Lyra," and then he said he became completely caught up in the story that was being told. So, my brother and I um actually read a lot of the same fiction, so I'm really looking forward to yeah. it. He has hugely sold this up to me. You've been a little bit more moderate, but you've also been really positive. It's a good book. Um, yeah, and I will no doubt have read other books. So, by the time we meet you next, she will have encountered Filth Level 2. I will have encountered The Book of Dust, version 1. And we'll see what else happens. We will see what else we come up with. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.